0: Welcome to PageCast at Kingsman Book Fair, proudly brought to you by Jonathan Ball Publishers. I'm Jennifer, and I have the pleasure of chatting with Eve Fairbanks on this episode. Eve is a former political writer for the New York Republic. Her work focuses on change in cities, countries, landscapes, morals, values, and our ideas of ourselves. She has been published in the Washington Post, the New York Times, and the Guardian, among other Born in Washington, D.C. and raised in Virginia, she's lived in Johannesburg, South Africa for 13 years. Inheritors is her debut. Welcome, Eve, and thank you for joining me.
1: Thank you. Your
0: book, The Inheritors, delves into South Africa's racial reckoning. What motivated you to explore this particular subject? And how did your experiences living in Johannesburg for 13 years shape your perspective on it?
1: Yeah, you know, it came out in February and we've had some awesome events. And somebody raised his hand and asked a question at the end of one of them and said, to me, I read the book and to me it was a book about becoming a nation, how to be a nation and so i think that's a way to think about it obviously both south africa and the us are countries that have a very strong history of strong uh, a history of race that's very dominant in mm. the historical narrative and um you know at the time when i when i moved to south africa and when i first started writing the book we were not talking about that in the us in the way that south africans were and i think i thought that that was an interesting honestly probably way to look at where I came from um and types of things that we don't discuss we weren't discussing in the U.S. about (sighs) things that we still assumed about each other traumas we still had guilt we still had um I ended up thinking so I have lived here 13 years I've been working on this book for 10 um we could talk a little bit about the way I reported it and the texture of it and how it feels to read it but uh I also think that I hope there's an interesting component that comes into a book about South Africa written by an American. Firstly, there are a lot of things that people told me that they said, you know, I I feel comfortable admitting to this emotion or this kind of frustration or this level of guilt, including ANC, Mm. leading types of people, because I'm not talking to one of my own countrymen. And, you know, there's things I'm... I'm not supposed to admit to, or ways that I'm supposed to feel because of my background, whatever. But I can feel a little bit freer talking to to an outsider. And the second reason is um, America has lived for a longer period with being an exceptional country. It has this history of exceptionalism. We use that word there a lot more than, than you guys and South Africans use it, American exceptionalism. But... Can you expand
0: on what it, that means? Yeah. Sense you might not be... Yeah,
1: it means... That you are a society whose history and whose movement through history and whose new beginning is going to break totally new ground. You're going to prove to history itself and to other countries that a type of society or nation that isn't supposed to work really can work. You're going to be a kind of miracle, miracle almost utopian type of society. There's going to be a miracle underlying you. And, you know, that was the beginning. There there was a founder of an American colony, but it was kind of the underlying thing in the U.S. of city on a hill, meaning we're going to be a city or a nation that others look to as a beacon, as a source of lessons, like, and that's here with the TRC and so on. And I think there's an understanding in the U.S. that I grew up with of how that both makes people very interesting. It makes politics seem very important. It's ennobling, but it also lands as a real burden on a society. And it can really hold a society back, actually. Hmm. Thank you.
0: To my next question, South Africa's history is deeply intertwined with issues of race and identity. In The Inheritors, how do you navigate the complexities of capturing the multifaceted experiences and perspectives of individuals involved in the country's <laughs> racial reckoning?
1: Yeah, so it's funny. I had a publisher, a couple, and some advisors, mentors in the United States, who, when I would tell them I'm in South Africa now, here's what I'm experiencing. I wrote about the country as a journalist. They would say, "Why don't you write a book about whites? Why don't you write a book about the Afrikaners?" Because I think for people in the UK, in Europe, in the US, there can be like a prurient interest. In white South Africans, as like, you want to read about the Irania, you want to read about the bonkers, you want to read about Steve Hofmeyer, whatever it is, you know, just uh, that the whole kind of thing in order to be like, wow, we're very progressive, you know, we're comparatively, or we're very, you know, uh, drama free, or, you know, you really, you sort of comfort yourself with that type of reading. And you know not only did I not want to do that type of book is implied by what i 'm describing, but i I ended up feeling you know the first thing I do, did when I learned when I came to South Africa was learn Afrikaans, so that was a little natural, but I ended up feeling that both in reality and psychologically so many different kinds of South African, from very very wealthy to to very disadvantaged, from black to white to Indian, whatever are all much more entwined with each other than a lot of the literature sometimes portrays. Um, You can sometimes get novels here where you get it narrated by like a white, anxious white family. And there's like a a character, the black maid or whatever, black domestic, but they're not really fleshed out, to be honest, Um, or vice versa. Right. And so I wanted to write a book where different types of characters were given equal weight and whose stories converse with each other. So what I do is I take three stories of a woman born in 1970. who was a teenager and an activist, ANSI activist in Meadowlands in Soweto. A man also born that same year on a farm, like a real, like north of Freiburg kind of cattle, Afrikaans cattle farm, who then was one of the last men conscripted into the apartheid era military. And then uh, Dipuo, the the Meadowlands activist, her daughter, who she gave birth to on her 20th birthday, became a member of the Born Free Generation. And those people's experiences of transition and having just completely different disappointments than the ones that they were prepared for and totally different positive experiences, you know, so many fears didn't come true. And then ending at a point of trying to put those unexpected and kind of spiky experiences together to think, okay, this is – now we – South Africa, you know, we had our story. But what is this country going to be as apart from the it ends with Mandela kind of story, right? What is it going to just be like as a place to live? How do we live with each other, alongside each other? How do we – understand what hopes and what ambitions to give fuel to. And I reported that it you know, over many years uh with these people. They were people that I knew, uh in one case as friend before and kind of oh, subject. I and I think there's a a real intimacy to how we get to know them. I, I hope that readers feel both that they can see some of themselves that they're friends by the end of the book, <laughs> but also that they can see some of themselves in maybe figures that um, that they didn't expect. I had a group of young men in Catlahong that have a book club who are like 17 boys um, in Catlahong, a township outside Joburg, read the book before I published it because a part of it is set in Catlahong. And I, I just wanted them to tell me, uh, actually, I wanted their feedback. Does this part feel like, do you, does that feel true to you? Do you feel like, oh, that's my township or... Not right, and they were like, That's Yeah, they were like, Yeah, 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 it felt fine, it was good for fine, but look, but we were so interested in Christu. That's amazing. The Afrikaans they just felt really turned on by and fascinated by that story, which is not, you know, he ends up fighting uh, for the apartheid state in Katlehong and a Casper in, in, you know, um, doing township duty, quote unquote. He's an Afrikaans man, but I think. The way issues of masculinity and wanting to do something for his family, wanting to have honor, wanting to be an honorable person, played out in this man's life was like really resonant for them. So I hope a lot of readers will find these kind of unexpected introits and and windows in it. What was the, between the three narratives, what was the point of connection for you or
0: when did it hit you that these stories are really linked?
1: I think you could link any South African story, Mm. actually. (laughs) Um, so in a way, I didn't worry that much about that, because ultimately, it's a country for better or worse. And I think this can, can be good and bad. But people, people's daily lives mean think about load shedding, like, we are incorporated into and become part of the story of national politics, whether we wanted to or not. There's really not many places, even Urania at all, where you can escape that. Um, uh, so... So I actually don't think that's that's a struggle. That said, two two of the two out of the three main characters, they are of the same generation. And I think it's an interesting generation to think about and look at, which is kind of Gen X. Um mm-hmm. <laughs> a little underloved. Uh I'm a, I'm an elder millennial myself. But to me, um they had such interesting reflections on the country and stories because they were coming of age starting to understand the world around them under part date, um, when it really wasn't that clear how it was going to end or when, and, and then became adults with a new country that they hadn't been prepping for. And I think a lot of people feel that way, but it's very present in that generation's lives. Oh, thank you. Your
0: work focuses on exploring change in various forms. In the context of South Africa's ongoing racial reckoning, what do you believe are the key factors driving social transformation? And what challenges do you see on the path to achieving a more inclusive
1: and equitable future? Mm, Wow. I mean, I'm, uh, I'm extraordinarily impressed by everything South Africa has already achieved. Even, you know, and it's a very dark moment. But I think, you know, I once said to somebody, um, in the fan of trajectories, because I ended up having to do, there were, there were really huge moments in my, in these characters that I followed that in their lives in between 1990 and 93, 94. And I did a lot of thinking about that era and reading and research and deep reporting, new reporting on that era. And, um, I ended up feeling like you you have a fan of trajectories out from that and that South Africa is probably at about 75 percent positive of, of what could have happened from that from that moment. And I do think there's, you know, and might be easy for me to say as someone who didn't live through 94, um, I think. I think there's a danger to undervaluing what and under treasuring and cherishing what already has been accomplished and done. Frankly, um I also think there's a danger to you know I I've lived in this country in part because I want to and not because I'm like my dollar goes I don't make very many dollars. So you know <laughs> it's not about going further here it's because I really love this country and people all the time ask me, oh my God, why don't you just go back to America? It's because America's problems. South Africa is solving better. Um And, but I do think that the, I think it's easier to lose things that are not cherished. So maybe thinking about what, what has been achieved and almost giving a pat on the back and, and thinking about. The country as a success in some ways, and even as its citizens, I think some of the anger toward the government—it's like 100% justified. But I also think some of it reflects some sense of complicity and guilt on the part of the of citizens who are reacting that way. It mm-hmm. has an element of projection, and I'm not—I sure, think there can be more pride. Um, I also think a challenge is a, is too short a time frame. Um, Somebody said to no. me recently. So there's the obvious thing of like, apartheid ended 25 years ago, 30 years ago. How come, you know, everything isn't good? Somebody, I I heard somebody say recently, this is the end of apartheid. This, you know, this era that we're going through right now, which isn't to say P.V. buetta's to blame or is to blame for it, but it's kind of just the end phase and the, uh, the end process and... I actually think there's a liberating kind of quality to thinking of it that way because it is ending in that interpretive framework. And, you know, this person also said it's going to get worse before it gets better. And I think that's probably true. And I said to a friend recently, I said, are you optimistic? And I said, you know, I think in 30 years, South Africa is going to be a really great country. And this guy looked white as a sheet. He just looked repelled and was like, I'm banking on five years. And I was like, my man, like, I think you're going to be disappointed if you're bank. You know, you're setting yourself up for this idea. You know, I'll hear rhetoric into, you know, the next election, we can turn the country around. I, I'm i used to this rhetoric from the United States of a very immediate, you know, things can change instantaneously. And I think it. I just have come to feel it's really uh it's it's really damaging actually it doesn't give people a long enough time frame to think about okay how do i want to look at what i need to what what we need to fix what i want to build what my life is going to be over this period of time so a much longer time frame i think would really be if that's a challenge i think that would be a Love, benefit.
0: Thank you so much. Thank you, Eve, for this
1: conversation.
0: And to our listeners, The Inheritors is available at all good bookstores and online. Get a copy. It's a magnificent read. Thanks for listening. And Eve, thank you again for joining us. Thank you.